Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today, a true survival story podcast where we talk about true crime or wilderness. And more. And more. Hell, it's we're rounding the corner on spooky season, folks. We might just get into some paranormal stuff. Who knows? We got it plans. It would be fitting. It would be. So, since last podcast, um, a beef has emerged with <laughs> me and one of our toddler neighbors toddler neighbors yes toddler who decides to scream every time he or she wakes up i think it's a little girl i've heard the mom talking talking about her to someone yeah i I would i would kind of be surprised if it's a boy but i mean when they're that young it's just like it's the high-pitched scream so that happens about to explain what alex is talking about yeah there's this baby that lives above us that likes to wake us up with screaming every morning um yeah and i don't know it's just i, I mean it, i'm team it's a morning routine i'm team you can't have a beef with a toddler but i mean that's fine but uh, i don't know it's just like I've, i was it was funny the first few times and actually the parents like screamed back at mm-hmm. the kid one time which was really funny but like it's just every morning i get woken up by this kid yeah, well, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper, so I. Yep, you slept right through it. It's how for like you say. Two minutes of straight screening. Not my problem. But, <laughs> but yeah, what do we what do we got uh, on the docket today? So we got Anna Bagenholm on the docket today. Cool. Um, she was born in 1970 in Vannersburg, Sweden. Oh, Sweden's so beautiful. Yep, and it's also very northern mm-hmm. uh, and very cold. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to go there one day. Yeah, I've, I've been once, but I'd, I'd go back in a, in a heartbeat. It's so beautiful. Yeah, you you went to like a fully, like a bar that was just fully iced, right? Yeah, was part that of was your... in Stockholm. Yeah, it was an ice bar. And yeah, like you said, everything was made of ice, like the bar, the seats, the glasses, everything. We had to wear these like huge parkas inside. It was really, honestly, maybe a little bit overhyped, but like kind of fun. Like, yeah, <laughs> really fun. It's like a, it's a one-time thing. But yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. <laughs> back to the story so uh anna was 29 at the time of this incident uh and it happened in 1999 uh doing the math real quick on a born year um so at the time she was studying to become an orthopedic surgeon in narvik norway and as if um sweden isn't cold enough the part of Norway that she's doing her residency in is like northern Norway <laughs> and Great. um it's farther north than like 80% of Canada and Siberia and Russia just to give you like a s- geographic sense of how far north Norway and Sweden are so what you're getting at is it's it's a bit nippy it's cold just a bit nippy just a bit <laughs> um i was like i was like really surprised i was like wow i mean i thought like Michigan or like Maine was really far north. Like mm-hmm. no, like it's it's way farther north than that. You mean it gets anyway. more north than Michigan? Oh. Oh. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I was ge- uh, geographically intrigued. Um, in any case, so she was doing her residency in northern Norway, and frequently she would go skiing after work. It was her hobby, and she would go with her friends Marie Falkenberg and Torvin Nation. Whoa, um, those names. Yeah. Marie Falkenberg and yep. Torvind. 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 Yeah. Wow. T-O-R-V-I-N-D. I want my name to be Torvind. Yeah, I mean, it's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Swedish. Um, so 
she was an expert skier. Like, she did this all the time. So it wasn't out of the ordinary for her to, like, finish her shift at, like, 6 and then go uh, skiing. Um, so that's exactly what she was doing at the time of the incident. So uh, this happens May 20th, 1999, right around 6.30 p.m. So, like, after her, I'm assuming her shift ended at, like, 6 or 5.30, and she's she takes the lift up the mountain to ski down. Right. I wonder... Um how cold it was that evening because I mean, um, even though it was spring it's still pretty yeah i want to i mean it had to have been cold enough for like snow to oh, exist of course. so it's yeah. probably like i want to say like probably 25 to 30 degrees fahrenheit, fahrenheit yeah because it is spring and that's an important detail because like the the slopes that day were pretty icy because i think it gets warm enough during the day to melts a little bit and then at night it kind of freezes over so apparently like navigating that is a little more treacherous yeah. but like no big deal for anna I, she does this shit all the time i couldn't imagine being like going like having a full day's work and then being like you know what i want to do go ski, go ski on a freezing cold mountain well <laughs> like could you imagine me like no hiking my ass all the way up a mountain you don't you don't no, have i know to, i know you, you go up a hike. lift i understand but like i mean like literally bringing my ass all the way up to the top of a mountain <laughs> in the no. cold at night like no. couldn't be me <laughs> <laughs> no couldn't be you uh but you know this is anna's gym so um she's uh doing what i imagine is the swedish version of french fry what <laughs> were you have you ever like been taught to ski like uh, no, as a I kid. went skiing when I, once when I was like I want to say five or six and I laid in the snow and made snow angels okay that so, is my skiing experience fair enough but like when they teach you like french fries like skis straightforward and then they teach you like pizza you, oh like, sure where you like stop. make it into a little triangle sure <laughs> I know that much okay so that didn't work uh the joke <laughs> didn't hit yeah. no it's okay I'm sure someone got it somebody got it it's not me yeah so she's skiing down um and it's icy and she hits a rock and loses control of her skis. Oh, Anna, falls don't falls do on that. her back. Yeah. And so she's on her back, um, skis in the air, mm-hmm. and she is sliding headfirst down the mountain. Ah. So Ooh. I mean, this is like a scary position, like I feel like if you're not a skier, but it kinda made sense to me because I would imagine, like, if you fall, you don't want your st- your skis to get stuck and, like, twist your leg. So I you kind of so. want them up in the air. Sure, I guess that makes sense. And, like, um, you wouldn't... I feel like it'd probably be easier to stop if you weren't, like, on... Yeah, you can kind of, like, splay your arms out. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a skier, but that's what I imagine... Sure, why she like in my Why head. she went into that position. Yeah. Um, either way, um, this is the last thing she remembers about this incident. Oh, shit. Yeah, so uh, she falls, and she's sliding headfirst down the mountain on her back, and it's spring, so there happens to be a stream that she falls into. Oh, cold. She, yes, <laughs> so frigid water, um, it's just basically um, like a, I don't know what to call it, but like a basically a hole in... Um, in the ice for this stream that she falls into and she gets trapped under an ice ledge 
A perfect anisized hole? Yes, a no. perfect anisized hole opens up in this mountain. Oh, what bad luck. <laughs> yeah, so she she falls into this hole and gets trapped between a rock and this ice. a hard ice. place? I'm sorry. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> she literally does. <laughs> and so she's basically her, she's looking up at the ice ledge, mm-hmm. which is eight inches thick. Oh, that's... And the stream is pushing her into it. So she's stuck between the rock, ice, and there's a stream flowing down, pushing her into it. So just to clarify, she is basically fucked. In the, well, yeah, for <laughs> sure. But so she's stuck in a hole that's perfectly her size, and she's like she can't get out of it because the water is keeping her in it. Yeah, and her. So the only pushing thing that's her. not in the stream is yeah. her feet, which are. Her, like, skis and feet hook on the top of the ledge oh. outside. So even worse, she's, like, hooked in. <laughs> well, the only thing that's keeping her from, like, literally oh, getting sucked all the way under in is the hook. Is her, her skis. skis. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. So she actually manages to find an air pocket under this ice ledge, which is how she stays conscious for as long as she ends up staying conscious for how long wait oh what so wait wait for that um so she she's obviously like not in a great place her friends are like losing their shit and they're trying to pull her out like they're basically just trying to take her feet and yank her out but the stream is flowing down so it's pushing her in and she's already stuck between this rock so their attempt place i'm sorry i can't stop making that joke (laughs) you get Two times. Fine, that's enough. <laughs> that's done. all. I'm cut off. <laughs> um, but yeah, they try for seven minutes to try and pull her out before they call for help. Wow, the fact that she has an air pocket is like the most unlucky but like lucky situation in the yeah. world. Like that's so like terrifying. a perfect anisized hole has opened up, but With a perfect anisized air pocket has appeared. So, uh, <laughs> so they finally they call for help after failing to pull her out from this predicament and um this starts the enormous rescue mission for her so this is at about um 6 30 so she went skiing at like six and now and now the rescue is oh my god so she's been under the water you said for seven minutes yeah and they're trying i couldn't even imagine being in that position just as her friends like yeah could you imagine just the frantic like oh my god energy yeah. that must be happening yeah, oh no. that that's ooh, send shivers down my spine yeah. and i'm not in an anisized hole in the mountain yeah so yeah and so they start trying so it's 1999 cell phones exist thank god thank god um so torvin calls and they're like okay we're gonna send a rescue team from the bottom of the mountain and they're gonna hike up and then we're going to send another rescue team to take the ski lift and ski down. But, you know, it's 1999. They do have cell phones, but they don't have, like, GPS. They can't just drop a pin from an iPhone. <laughs> How unfortunate. Or, like, flip phone or something. Drop uh, a pin, dude. So Where are you ba- at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they're basically, like, trying to figure out where they are. And Torvin's like, yeah, you see, like, the snow mm-hmm. and the evergreen? Yeah, like, that's where we are. Right. So, like, they're... They're trying to, like, figure out, like, use landmarks to figure out where they're at. Um, And so they send those two teams, and they're like, also, we're going to need a helicopter to airlift her 
to a hospital because she's going to be hypothermic by the time we get to her. Um, so the dispatcher, uh, for whatever their equivalent of 911 is, um, you know, Torvin tells him we, they, we need help. And then he gets in contact with a helicopter that's already been scrambled. Scrambled? Um, yeah, it's already in the air. Oh. Um, the research or the rescue team is called Bodo. Bodo. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it because oh. there's like an accent above the O. Oh, it's like yeah. a line through it. I'm sure it. there's a lot of I have no names idea. and titles you've butchered already and that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but there was a helicopter already in the air that was transporting a sick child mm-hmm. to another hospital. And the quote that the dispatcher tells this helicopter pilot is, you must send the helicopter to here, and you only have one minute to decide it. You have to call me back. The time is running out. Ugh. Hangs up. Oh, my God. As oh my, everyone is put in just an impossible situation in this incident, because mm-hmm. even down to the freaking helicopter pilot, like, has to make a decision between, do I take this obviously very sick child to the hospital? Because... For someone to be in a helicopter on their way to a hospital, they must be in Not just great shape. terrible shape. No. So you have to then make the decision to turn around and go get someone who's even in even worse shape. Yeah. So Lord. Um, they decide to come get her. Yeah. And uh, what happens one, to the child? Yes, the kid survives. Okay, good. Um, I'm not sure what condition that they had. Um. And the other detail I'm not sure of is whether they brought the kid with them or if they, like, dropped them off and then went to get Anna. In either case, um, they said that this saved her about 45 minutes of time that they would have needed to scramble to get the helicopter in the air. Like, I would imagine you have to, like, call the pilot and then, you know, get the necessary people together and then fly there. Either way, um, so lucky that the helicopter is in the air. And um, now they're coming to get her so there's a three-pronged rescue team trying to get anna right now wow so this whole time anda is trapped under the ice breathing from a pocket of air and her friends are holding onto her skis so that she doesn't get pulled into the stream oh my god and then she's certainly dead so um they wait for about 40 minutes Holding on to her skis. 40 minutes? Yeah. I, I have no words. 40 minutes. 40 underneath... minutes. Oh, my claustrophobia hates that. <laughs> oh, God. So, creeping up on an hour. God. And Anna experiences circulatory arrest, so her heart stopped beating. And she goes limp. And I'm her friends so... are holding on to her skis. That's terrifying. Yep, and the rescue team is not there yet. Oh my god! Um, how I I just keep trying to think about her her friends and how how I mean obviously you're not gonna let her go even if she goes limp but like what is yeah. going through your mind? Fuck, I mean like I I feel like at this point I would have just like kind of started to accept that she was dead. Yeah, because, I mean, she goes limp. She's been under the water for however long. Even if she has an air pocket, she's... You don't know if she... Like, the cold could kill you, for sure. Yeah, that's why her heart stops yeah, the cold. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. So, yeah, she's so cold, her blood stops flowing. <laughs> and um, 20 minutes after this, uh, the rescue team from the top of the mountain arrives. 
Um, they try to pull her out with some rope. So they basically try to like lasso under her waist and then pull her out the same way that her friends were trying to pull her out. But I guess with a rope, uh, that fails. They're not able to pull her out. And they have a snow shovel. And they try to break through the ice to pull her through that way. Like try to break the ice downstream and then pull her out head first. Um, that fails because the snow shovel that they have is not sharp enough to pierce the eight inch thick ice. Right, that you forget that's how thick it is. And also it must be really scary to be trying to break the ice by her head because then you're worried what if you hit her in the head you know i like, mean i guess yes, i'm, sh- I'm sure like, they had like a, a better plan she's unconscious <laughs> well yeah but it, but you can't if you hit her in the head with a shovel and it's sharp like you yeah could... that's also not great that's not great um so yeah they're trying to that fails so they can't pierce the ice um shortly thereafter the rescue team from the bottom of the mountain uh, arrives and they bring with them a garden shovel that is pointed, which ends up being Anna's saving grace. Oh, they're like, we have a new shovel! And they're all like, hooray! <laughs> so, <laughs> just your average garden shovel ends up piercing through the 8-inch thick ice, uh, and they are able to pull Anna out 80 minutes after she falls in. Oh my god. At around 7.40 p.m. Um, A quote from one of the rescuers. I thought we were taking a friend dead out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. If I came up on that situation, I would be thinking the same thing. I'd be like, well, this is a body that now we have to deal with. Not like, let's save this person. I mean, obviously you treat it with that much urgency just in case. But like in my head, I'd probably be like, "Mm, she's KO. How... How can you, like, she's been literally clinically dead for 40 minutes. Right. Um, So they start, so remember her two friends are doctors, right? Oh, yeah. And also I'm imagining that the rescue team is trained to do CPR, but they start doing CPR immediately after they pull her out. And then um, they airlift her to the nearest hospital, which is about an hour and a half flight away. Uh, during the entire time they're doing CPR on her. She is but a popsicle. She is but a popsicle. Um, so uh, just to kind of give you some stats about how screwed she is right now, under normal body temperature, our bodies can't go 20 minutes without oxygen before irreversible brain damage occurs. So she's already been, her blood hasn't been flowing for 40 and she has another hour and a half just before she even gets to the hospital. Not great. So Not looking great. Not looking great. Um, so the hospital that she gets airlifted to is even farther north than where the incident happened. Um, so they perform CPR the entire way, and they arrive at the hospital about an hour and a half later, at which point they record her body temperature. Her body temperature was... degrees Fahrenheit. And to give you perspective about just how fucking cold that is, the average refrigerator temperature is about 40 degrees. So she's closer in body temperature to the average fridge. To the average refrigerator. Oh my god. Than she is the normal 
body temperature. That is terrible. Yeah. And also, she's closer to the freezing point of water. So, um, yeah. Another stat, um, just to illustrate how dire this is, um, after your body temperature uh, decreases to 82 degrees Fahrenheit, you have about a 10 to 33% chance of living, and she's well below that. So the leading doctor, uh, Dr. Mads Gilbert, uh, immediately continues doing CPR like on the stretcher to the ER. Um, and the quote from him when he first saw her is, she has completely dilated pupils. She is ashen, flaxen white. She's wet. She's ice cold when I touch her skin, and she looks absolutely dead. Yeah, just a dead body. Yep. So at this point, she hasn't had a heartbeat in over two hours. Oh, so like literally a dead body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they, they hook her up to a cardiopulmonary bypass, which basically I think pumps your blood for you. So they're like running her blood through a machine to warm up her blood and then recirculate it as they're performing CPR. Oh my God. So um, this entire operation to get her to revive her um, happened over a nine hour period with over a hundred doctors and nurses. Oh my God. I want a hundred doctors. Like an to... <laughs> entire hospital had to, had to come together to read. Wow. That's incredible. That is truly a team effort. Yeah. Teamwork. <laughs> like, making the dream work making here. Making the dream work, baby. In Sweden. Or no, sorry, Norway. Um, so they're continuing to do this. They're trying to warm her up. Um, and at about 10.15 p.m., uh, almost three hours after losing consciousness, um, they record her first heartbeat. Wow. That must have been just the most incredible moment yeah. ever. Uh, d- the lead doctor... Uh, Mads Gilbert, um, he said that he had to hold back tears at that moment. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would cry. Yeah. No but, doubt. You know, you're not out of the woods yet. Well, no, of course not. But at least but, she's yeah. not a There's dead hope. body anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, was, it was really cool because um, he, I saw, I watched an interview of him describing that moment. And it was, you know, it was pretty intense. Yeah. I'm but sure. he was saying that, like, basically you could see the heart, like, start to flutter. Like, it wasn't beating yet, but it was moving. And then all of a sudden it just kind of, like, wow. Pumped and, like, everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Pop a bottle of champagne. <laughs> yeah, or seriously. Uh, anyway, um, so they, they continue to warm her up. She's still unconscious. Um, and about five or six hours after um, losing consciousness, Anna's core temperature had risen to 97.5 degrees, and this is 12.50 a.m. the next day. Um, So she's basically back to normal body temperature at this point. Um, So things are looking good, uh, but she she lost lung function at about 2.30 a.m., and had to be hooked up to, to a ventilator to restabilize her breathing for the next 35 days. Wow. Was she ever conscious, like, once they got her back up to regular body temperature? Or? No. So her lungs fail at that at 2.30 in the morning, but she stays unconscious in a coma for the next 12 days. Wow. So 12 days later... 
um, she awakes out of her coma, paralyzed from the neck down. Oh, that's terrible. So pretty terrifying. And initially after she like regained consciousness, she was mad at her friends for saving her. Oh my God. I can't even imagine what must have been going through her mind. So like that's the headspace she's in at that point. I mean, that's, you just, you wake up not knowing what the hell is going on. That must be so scary. Yeah. I mean, that must be just the most scary thing to realize. Yeah. So she, she was saying like, um, how can I expect to have a life of dignity? Like if I can't move, like you guys should have just let me die. Yeah, basically I'm sure is what she said. It just must have been so confusing and scary. Yeah. Oof. Um, so luckily, soon after coming out of the coma, she regained uh function of her limbs. Wow. Um and has since apologized to her colleagues for yeah, saving yeah, her. Yeah, I mean it's... she's like, I'm definitely happy to be alive now. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, you know what? Actually, can I just take that one back? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> she takes it back. Um, so now she's, you know, she's doing, she's like alive right, and can move, um, but had to spend an extra two months in the ICU because her kidneys and digestive system were not working properly because she was a fucking popsicle for multiple hours. Um, what about her brain? So after this entire incident, she was never diagnosed with any brain damage. Oh my God. God, didn't you say that, that that like your brain has so, after 20 minutes and it was 40 for her? What what did you say? That's uh, at normal body temperature. So yeah. like 98.6, you can go 20 minutes without oxygen before. Oh, but since she was a popsicle. Because her because she was so cold, um, her brain needed next basically next to no oxygen um, to function. Wow. So... Um, this is actually used, like it's a medical technique, like if somebody comes in with a stroke, they'll actually induce hypothermia to prevent brain damage because a stroke, like bra- uh, blood is not flowing to the brain, so they'll purposely induce hypothermia to prevent brain damage and did, as they're like resuscitating you. Yeah, and did that become a practice because of this, or was yeah. that, wow, that's it kinda, incredible. It got written about in uh, the medical journal called The Lancet, and they actually... Um, this type of procedure became more widely known and used after her case. That's incredible. And um, so just to wrap it up, she takes two months to recover and records no brain damage. And the only lingering um, side effect that she has today is some nerve damage. Wow. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah, that's like out of everything that could have possibly gone wrong. Like, I'll, I'll take some nerve damage. Shit. Yeah, just in her like. Uh, extremities little fingies yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) yes in the The medical term her fingies um (laughs) fingies and toesies (laughs) uh so yep she survived because um her body was so cold um ironically um and um there is a saying that they have in Sweden or like generally like countries that far north that deal with hypothermic cases like this pretty often is that you can't be cold and dead. You can only be warm and dead, meaning that you if you have a patient that's hypothermic and their uh, their blood's not flowing, you have to warm them up before declaring them dead because oh, there's several cases like this 
where somebody will come in completely unconscious and they warm them up and they basically come back to life. Wow. So um, that became a more widely known practice as well after her case. That's really interesting because, I mean, I guess that makes sense for people who are, like you said, dealing with, you know, hypothermic cases. But I think of a cold dead body rather than a warm one. So you, yeah. would, you would think it wouldn't be a rule, but I mean, it is. It Apparently is. it was a saying even before her case, but like, especially after it got written about, like more doctors knew about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's like, it had a lot to do with them continuing to fight so hard to warm yeah. her back up because they're like, well, she's cold. So maybe we could, maybe she's not actually gone. Yeah, I know. It's it's so amazing to me that they didn't give up at any point. I know. Out of all of the people, I mean, from her friends to the three-tier rescue team to the mm -hmm. hundred, like, whatever, hundred-plus doctors that you said worked on her, that is so many people who just did not give up on her, and that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, she was unlucky, but she was, like, just lucky enough yeah, to I survive. Yeah, I mean, she was unlucky for that all of that to happen and, like, be stuck in the most just hopeless scenario but she was lucky in like every way she needed to be lucky in yeah so like number one she finds an air pocket yeah number two they have a pointed garden shovel right they, they bring reason. they bring a different kind of shovel yeah. what <laughs> the helicopter <laughs> is already in the air already in the air um they don't give up on her none of them. performing cpr the entire way For, to the hospital like a, so two it's hours like two hours um, the medical staff doesn't give up on her. A hundred, over a hundred doctors and nurses, uh, participate in that rescue. Um, she, she loses lung function. Yeah. Is she's, in a coma for 12 days. She's in a coma for 12 days, wakes up paralyzed. Regains all of her, her function, her, her body functions, except yep. for her little fingies and toesies. Yep. Then has to spend... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's my second one. I'm done, I swear. Yeah, me too. Um, spends another two months because her digestive and kidney function is fucked up. <laughs> and then, you know, 140 days later, she is returning to the hospital to meet the doctors that saved her life. Wow. That's... I, I always... I love those stories where um, doctors, like, save someone's life in the most incredible way. And then yeah. the person gets to come back and like shake their hand and be like, thank you. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, that must yeah. like for both of them, like for both parties involved, like could you, I can't even imagine how incredible of a moment that must be. Yeah, it was, but, um, all, <laughs> yeah, it was, I was there. I know. <laughs> well, I did watch no, it. <laughs> so basically I was there. Um, but it was, it was interesting because the way she unpacks and tells the story at least from the interviews that I saw, she's so matter-of-fact about it yeah. and, like, really doesn't have that much emotion attached to it. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine maybe that's because she doesn't remember it, but yeah. she also kind of seemed like just that type of person, just like, uh, I don't know, like a science brain, just very matter-of-fact and wasn't very... She, like, wasn't emotional about the experience. Sure, I mean, that... Really at I mean, all. I'm sure she had a lot of emotions tied to it, obviously, just because, I mean, even if she didn't remember the scenario itself, she still has all the emotion tied to the recovery she had to go through. I mean, that must have been just unbearable and so scary. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I find that so interesting about people who talk about 
insane things that they've survived because i mean i've watched plenty of interviews with survivors of just every different type of thing and i feel like more times than not like they're really just matter of fact about the entire thing like obviously there are a few cases where it's like too hard to talk about and like they cry and whatever and i mean rightfully so a lot of the time <laughs> like these yeah. situations are so scary but i really find it just so interesting how people like process things and how they can just so calmly and matter-of-factly talk about just the trauma they've been through exactly people are crazy man people are wild drop mic. so drop mic <laughs> there's a few more details i want to give um yeah. for what happened after her incident so there were so we remember the helicopter right the one who mm-hmm. saved her life <laughs> um so actually it was illegal at the time for them to do cross-country rescue missions and actually where the incident happened is on the border of Norway and Sweden. And the hospitals in Sweden were actually closer than the Tromso hospital where she was resuscitated at. Oh, well, um, but sad. they couldn't bring her to the Swedish hospital because it's illegal for them to ca- uh, cross borders during a rescue mission. And after her case, they removed that restriction. So That's good. Um, yeah, so that was another good thing that came out of this case. Um, but she probably would have been able to be airlifted quicker if they could have gone to the hospitals in sweden yeah and that really would have sucked if like i mean thank god she regained so much i mean Mm -hmm. pretty much everything um even still but like if if she didn't and it was just purely because that like they couldn't cross borders that would have been just devastating the worst yeah um yeah um and so that was another interesting detail and to wrap up her story um, as of late 2009 uh, she was working as a radiologist consultant in the hospital where she was saved wow and her partner is torvind ah torvind yes we love torvind love torvind so yeah that's the story of anna bagenholm who survived a Being body a temperature of 56.7 degrees fahrenheit wow that's chilly it's a little bit chilly it's just a little bit chilly yeah so that's the stories plug the socials that's really cool yeah um wait i actually before i plug the socials i i kind of like when when uh podcasts do this uh like because i listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and i feel like after stories sometimes they'll be like what's one good thing that happened in your week like tell me something that made you happy and i kind of want to start that because a lot of these uh a lot of these stories are heavy and i mean even though this one's like really great uh I still want to be like, this is what made me happy this week. Okay, so uh, do you want to kick us off with something happy? Well, um, there's no more smoke in LA, and I can finally go on a run without... Ah, yes, it's blue again. Literally what is equivalent to smoking eight packs of cigarettes. Right. Yeah, well, that's good. That's a happy thing. I'm pumped about it. Yeah, we're pumped about it. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my happy thing is actually uh, happening today. I'm going to go to Target and I'm going to get uh, a fall-scented <laughs> candle to kick off the spooky season because I'm pumped. You love that. I love it. I love it. And I, I'm not like a pumpkin spice latte type bitch, but like I'm a pumpkin bread, pumpkin pie, spooky season ass bitch. So maybe I'll get a pumpkin-scented candle. I'm going to laugh so hard if you do end up getting a pumpkin spice candle. You know what? It, I, well, no, no, no. I said <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a pumpkin spice latte type bitch. However, but, but I would get a pumpkin spice candle 
And I might. And that's something that made me happy. Um, okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> now we can plug the socials. Um, so please follow us on uh, Instagram. Our handle is nottoday underscore podcast. If you or someone you know has a story that is crazy in any way, shape, or form. It could be survival, obviously. It could be true crime. It could be just something interesting that happened. Perhaps um, spooky. Perhaps spooky. Hell, it's the spooky season, like I said fucking four times now. Um, send us an email at notodaypodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is not today podcast, but the T on podcast is a three. And... Yeah, we are now on Spotify and Amazon Podcast, and I believe we're on Google Podcast. We're working to get on Apple. Something went wrong. So we're on Stitcher. We're on all the places you can find your podcast. Please uh, rate and review once we're on Apple. I'll let you know when that happens. Um, and yeah, that's that's that that's on that. That's the story of Anna. That's the story of Anna. We hope you uh, stay safe out there because times are crazy. <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah. Amen. All right. See ya.